Good morning. Add my welcome to uh, Tim's and thank you, Hills, for leading us in prayer. And so encouraging, isn't it, to have that that perspective on things. Um, I don't know how you uh, you feel about the fact that we're still in the Micah six eight series. Uh, are you uh, you know sometimes in church things can go on a little bit, can't they? I remember the the really old joke about the uh, the church minister who was known for his excruciatingly long sermons. Uh, anyway, one one Sunday he gets up in the pulpit and he says, "I feel the Lord is calling me on." And the whole congregation broke into spontaneous song. What a friend we have in Jesus. (laughs) Tim made reference to our culture and and that's what I'm thinking about today. So we are in a throwaway culture. We're in a a quick culture. We're in a, a move on fast kind of environment. And God can work like that. And we'll, we'll see that a little bit later. But actually, there is something so powerful about uh, camping out around a particular, a particular bit of scripture and just allowing God to speak to it through us. And, and just the, the layers and the depths of, of scripture. It just is a sadness, isn't it? That, that some people have quite a brittle sort of faith and a brittle understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to take us deeper and deeper. It's why, it's why we always open our Bibles when, when anyone is, is reading God's word. Because we have a sense that we haven't heard this before. We have heard it maybe before lots of times in particular ways, in particular contexts. But the Holy Spirit, God with us, inspired the writing of God's word at the time it was being written. And the Holy Spirit inspires God's word to us now. So we open we open our Bibles and we're camped around this verse, Micah 6.8. It's a foundation verse. As Paul Harcourt last week, if you were here with us, Paul who uh, leads the New Wine Network and leads a church uh, in Essex or East London. Well, it is in Essex, but East London, uh, just where the border is there. Paul was sharing with us about the verse, Micah 6.8, that we've been thinking about and camping around, really points us to Jesus. It, it, it expresses when it talks about acting justly and loving mercy and walking humbly. That's, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus modeled for us. And so this week we're asking, what does it mean for us to do those things? We're thinking about those things in practice to, to walk as followers of Jesus Again, last week, Paul was particularly thinking, wasn't he, about about us as a church community and how do acting, and he was putting the stress on the verbs, wasn't he? How does acting, how does loving, how does walking, you know, how does that work itself out as church community? And Hill's just sharing there an example of church community in a place, a part of the world where Praise God, the sense of church and life is, is completely intertwined. There's none of the separation that people try and make. Do you, uh, do you work in a place where tell you, people tell you that your faith is okay as long as you keep it private and personal? Do you just struggle with the thought that you want to scream, but uh, there's no such thing as faith which is private? Yes, faith is personal, but faith can't be private because it affects every fibre of us, every part of us. You can't box religious faith, Christian faith, being a follower of Jesus into a, into a little hole like that. 
So we're thinking about how we engage with society. We were thinking, as I say last week, perhaps as a church community, and we don't want to separate these things out, but today my focus a little bit more on us individually connecting with our society. And how does this acting, loving, and walking impact on us as Trinity Cheltenham and the vision that God has for us going forward? Of course, the perspective today is influenced by Remembrance Sunday, as Tim again so helpfully led us through in our own version of Act of Remembrance. We're thinking of the sacrifice of, of so many lives, so many who gave themselves for freedom. And we're thinking about thankfulness, aren't we? We're thinking about not taking things for granted. But I hope we're also, as we have already indicated, we're absolutely sure that any remembering we do is for the purpose of making a difference now and into the future. The remembering we've done this morning in communion is not simply remembering back and trying to somehow hold on to the, the quality of the memory, the strength of the memory, so that in our own strength we can kind of keep ourselves going to the final day when we, when we see Jesus. And by the way, if you're here today and you wouldn't yet describe yourself as a follower of Jesus, that's, that's the story that's unfolding in the world. Jesus will return. But he just hasn't left us. God doesn't wind up the world and set it off on its course and say, I hope to see you at the other side. I hope to see you at the end. God is with us. The Holy Spirit, God with us now. And again, as Tim was sharing about thinking on the Alpha weekend coming up about the reality of that. The remembering we do today, whether it's this remembering of, of armistice and peace breaking out in our world. And the remembering we do in communion is to make a difference to us now and into the future by the presence of God. When we think about justice, we think about mercy, we think about humility. And particularly if we think as we are now about taking those concepts and, and not allowing them just to simply be uh, concepts, but to say, what does it mean for us to act what does it mean for us to love? What does it mean for us to walk? It is easy, isn't it, to feel powerless. The change that's required is, is just so great. How can you act justly when there is so much inequality? When the focus is on people's personal rights and those rights seem to collide so brutally? How can you love mercy in a, a world which is self-centered, not other-centered? How can we walk humbly that, that knowledge of who God is and who we are in relationship with God when so many people are telling us that God is irrelevant? We can easily imagine that the scale of the problem is so great that we cannot impact on society. But that we know is not true. 
We know, don't we, that the Bible scripture teaches us that the unfolding kingdom of heaven, the unfolding right rule of God over all things is happening whether you see it or you don't see it. It's happening whether it's small or great. The images of the mustard seed, isn't it, that that grows in the ground. And you may not see that growth in the ground, but it is growing and it is going to become a tree. Or it's the yeast in the bread. You don't see it. You don't maybe know it's there, but you see the impact of it. It is multiplied numerous, numerous times. And so we see spiritually, spiritually, God is at work throughout the world and throughout society and we taste that we have tasted that as Trinity Cheltenham haven't we through the food bank and through other projects that we've been involved in and are still involved in as our mercy ministries we we taste and see the impact that we already have on society around us but there is so much more that God has for us And today, my sense is of trying to just push our horizons. We are church gathered, gathered now today, but we are church scattered as well, aren't we? I want to push our sense of horizon. If you feel sort of inadequate for the task, how can you you act and love and walk? Andrew, you don't exactly know what my Monday morning looks like, and I... You're right. I don't. But God does. God is already there tomorrow as well as being here today. God is already the other side of that door in that meeting. God is already in that email. God is already in that, at that school gate. God is already in the places that we're going to serve him in this coming week as we are his church, his people scattered. And in those places where you go, he wants actions of justice. He wants love of mercy and he wants humble walking there are many debates about what changes society about how mass movements sort of you know bring the big changes we've seen so many haven't we Uh, Donald Trump and what's going on in America and I don't seek to make a particular political point but There's a movement, there's a change that's going on and in our society we can see all kinds of areas of public life where there's a a movement going on. What's happened for those changes to come? Well, it's not the mass movement in itself, is it? Two things at least that influence and change. One is ideas. You know, when William Wilberforce first was engaging about slavery in the 18th century, he had to first change the idea that you could regard another human being as property. He had to change that belief, that idea. And right now in Cheltenham, there are people in slavery because people have the idea, the belief... That you can regard them as property. You want to change society. You have to address 
the beliefs and the ideas. And then the second thing is innovation. Whether that's technological development or scientific development and advance or entrepreneurial thinking. And we worship a God of creation. We are called to be people of ideas, people of belief and people of innovation. And we can change the world because the economy of the kingdom is that the small and the hidden bear fruit 40, 50, 60, 100 times. As someone once famously said, if you think small things can't make a big difference, try sleeping with a mosquito in your bed. Mustard seed, yeast, a single light on a hill. I want to use the example of someone called Nehemiah. Many of us will be familiar with the story of Nehemiah, but perhaps you're not familiar. We're going to read some of, uh, some of the words in a moment. But uh, Nehemiah uh, was used by God to change everything around him. Um, a bit of history. After the death of Solomon, God's people had been united under kings for a period of time. We read about in the early part of our Bibles. Uh, after the death of King Solomon, a name many of us will have heard, uh, God's people split, didn't they, into two kingdoms, the north and the south. And the northern capital, uh, Samaria, and the southern kingdom, uh, capital, Jerusalem. And because God's people, if you know your story, know your Bibles, God's people rebelled against God. They didn't follow God's will in life. Uh, God uh, uh, allowed them or sent foreign powers to, to overrun them. And the Assyrians overran the northern kingdom, capital Samaria. And the Babylonians overran Jerusalem. And took a large number of people into captivity around about 586 BC. And Nehemiah is focused on Jerusalem. You'll know, many of you, that a, a fair chunk of the Old Testament scriptures is all about how God's people recovered from, uh, from the consequences of their sinfulness and their actions and being overrun and taken into physical exile and then in spiritual exile because they were, they were still not aligning themselves with God. And as we read through scripture, we see that uh, the Babylonians were themselves conquered by the Persians, Hope you're keeping up with this. So the Babylonians got overrun by the Persians. And, uh, and they sent the first group of 50,000 people back to Jerusalem to start the process of rebuilding. And they started on the city walls. But the people gave up. And then we read in scripture, if you read your prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, God is stirring up the people and more go back to Jerusalem to try and take on this work. In 458 BC, uh, Ezra, another one of, uh, you can read about him, uh, tries to lead the next steps of the rebuilding of the city walls, but prevented by discouragement and, and by rebellion in God's people. And that brings us to Nehemiah, doesn't it? 
446 or 445 BC, Nehemiah is called by God to go to Jerusalem and to finish the job. Here's a quick, just one slide overview of of what that looked like. And I want to just draw out from this how I think there are some principles here for every single one of us about engaging with society and acting, loving and walking with God. Um, Nehemiah, you'll read in the early part, he had worldly success, but his concern for the things of God did not change. He places himself before God in prayer. And he serves God's mission. He's given wise plans. We read about in chapter 2. He has a contagious vision. And he walks humbly with God in that vision. He serves justly and mercifully and humbly. Despite all periods of opposition as we read through the book of Nehemiah. He perseveres. And even when the outward task, when the walls appear to be built, he doesn't stop. Because he senses that God His work is not finished in the hearts of the people. He pursues God's plans right to the very end. And he confronts sin in God's people. Let's just read just a a little bit of chapter 1. We're going to read chapter 1 and a very little bit of chapter 2. Just where I want to land on, on three points. The words will be up on the screens And it bears a little reading. So Nehemiah chapter 1, if you've got that on your phone or maybe you're not allowed your phone now, if you've got that in your Bible, wherever, Nehemiah chapter 1. In late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honoured. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honouring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favourable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days I was the king's cupbearer. 
into chapter 2. Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? Three things. From just one of the richest books in scripture. They're all rich, of course, but really bears reading. Do you know that Nehemiah is used at Sandhurst for officer training as an example of leadership? Three things that I want to just draw out for us today. The first is, do you notice that Nehemiah could be used because he made himself available where he was in the world? Now, you may read or hear that being read and think, well, I don't have this position of power that Nehemiah had. But the question is, on your stage, on your front line, are you being available to God? Nehemiah, we discovered at the end of chapter one, was a cupbearer to the king. Yes, a position of great trust and responsibility because he tasted the wine before the king did to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Nehemiah had built into that position through his hard work and his consistency. He was available to God where he was. And if we want to change our society, it's not in the hands of other people. It's in our hands. Do you notice secondly, in that amazing prayer and I loved the resonance. Tim didn't know I was using this. I loved, of course, the resonance. God knows what he's doing when he puts our celebrations together of remembering the promises of God. In that amazing prayer of Nehemiah, did you notice, though, that Nehemiah was a a person of prayer who was willing to be the answer to his prayer? Just allow yourself to stay with that for a moment. I don't know about you, but I am very good at giving God ideas for how he can solve the world's problems. I'm somewhat less good at truly desiring to be the answer to my own prayers. Prayer changes us, doesn't it? Doesn't give God good ideas. It doesn't arm twist him into action. Look, Lord, there's loads of us down here who think this. Oh, okay then, right. Prayer changes us. 
So that's the second thing, isn't it? If you want to change the world through ideas and innovation, are we available? And secondly, are we willing to be the answer to our own prayers? Do you notice that, of course, Nehemiah is not diverted, he's not distracted by his success, his worldly success. Do you notice that the pattern of his prayer is exactly the same as the pattern of the Lord's prayer? It's 95% praise and about God and only 5% about his own needs and sense of things. He doesn't, he doesn't dwell in self-pity. He has a proper perspective of humility. He remembers the covenant with God. It leads him into confession and into personal desire for God. It strengthens his faith and he's ready to be the answer to his prayer. Is that, friends, how we pray for the places that we will be tomorrow where God is already there? And of course, thirdly, Nehemiah acts. He takes action. We see at the beginning of chapter 2, and you can read the rest of the story, please do. Um, he's ready. The time period between chapter 1 and between the beginning of chapter 2, those uh, references to months of the year are significant because it's about a four or a five month period that he spends in prayer. Committed prayer. So that when the moment comes, when the king says, what's on your heart? I can see in your face how you are weeping for all the needs of the world, for the needs of society, for the needs of a particular group of other people. When that moment comes, all the months and the dwelling in prayer are ready and, and at the forefront when Nehemiah makes his arrow prayer. Again, I've got to be honest, I'm much better at arrow prayers with God than I am in the months of preparatory prayer. I love to short circuit. Maybe you're not like me. Months of prayer to be ready to act. I mean, Nehemiah is going to do nothing less than change the entire foreign policy of the king of Persia. Nothing less. Friends, these are profound truths. Do you want to be the change, to use that expression? Do you want to be the change? God's desire is for justice and mercy and humility. The joke at uh, the Edinburgh Festival that won the, uh, the joke of the year was by a guy called Ken Cheng. He said, I'm not a fan of a new pound coin, but then I hate all change. I don't know, what do you really think about change? Do you want everyone else to change? Do you want that school gate to be different, but someone else to do it? 
Do you want your workplace, the company that you work for, to work to a different set of values, but you're looking to the board to do that? Do you want your family to function in a different way, but you're thinking it's the other members of the family who have the responsibility? Do you want Christmas to be different this year? But of course, that will rely on them being willing to say sorry first. Do you want a sense of purpose in your life just as soon as God, as soon as he just turns up and gives it to me? Do you want your life group to be different and you're just hoping that the leaders will do that? Do you want our church, do you want our church to grow in walking with the Lord and you just really hope that Andrew and the senior team can make it happen. Nehemiah was ready to serve God where he was. Nehemiah was willing to be the answer to his own prayer. And Nehemiah had the courage to act when the time came. It's one of the richest books of the Bible. Could say so much more. But you'll be delighted that I don't want you to break into a chorus of what a friend we have in Jesus. But I do want to invite you to stand if you're able to. I said earlier, maybe, maybe you're not yet a, a follower of Jesus. Well, just to explain if you're visiting us today, this is part of our act of worship. This is the way that we springboard into the rest of our week. We have a gift of time before we need to go and do anything else. A gift of time with our Lord, with God. God who's with us now, the Holy Spirit here. And God who loves every single one of us completely, fully, perfectly and wants every single one of us to live fully, live fully. Maybe you're not yet a follower of Jesus and for you there's a moment now, there's a moment right here, right now. Nehemiah was prepared to humble himself, to say, God, I hear your promises. I hear your story. He didn't himself know directly about the story of God coming down, living on earth in Jesus, dying on a cross to take away our sins. He didn't know that story himself directly in those words. But of course, spiritually, he did. He knew that he needed to come before God and repent. That word means to turn the direction of his life. Is that you today? Do you want to start following Jesus? 
Or maybe you would have a sense of yourself. You know you are a follower of Jesus, but you've been wandering. You've been wandering away. I wonder if God is just saying to a few of us today. Are you willing to be the answer to your prayer? And I guess a few of us who want to be agents of change. Mercy, humility, justice. In my family, in my workplace, in my relationships. So come Holy Spirit, please. God, come, please. Come to those who want to start following. Come Holy Spirit, come God please to those who want to set the compass once more on you. In remembering the past to see the future. God, Holy Spirit, come. Come to those of us who want to be agents of the kingdom change in this society. Come, God, to those of us who desire, eagerly desire to see justice and mercy and love flowing. Those of us who want to say that Cheltenham will not be a place where there are modern day slaves. Those of us who want to see our town, our region, our nation and the nations changed. Come God. Come God. Take what we have in our hands. Take who we are. Give us courage. Hear our prayer for your church. For your church, not just here at Trinity, but across the nation, Ethiopia, across the world. Your church to act and love and walk. sense of the Holy Spirit wanting to wanting to go deeper
more Lord, more of you, more of you Holy Spirit into the deeper places, the deeper places of our hearts. really encourage none of us to stop praying at this point not to switch off I just have a sense of God wanting to be at work in every single one of us to make our prayer and be the answer to our prayer let God give you that vision but just if any are beginning to feel a sense of wanting God to just to bless them in particular ways today for someone to pray with you just maybe for a new vision of yourself in, in daily life. Or maybe you do want to say, yes, God, I want to come and I want to say sorry for the things of the past and I want to look to the future. Just as everyone else remains praying, please just allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. Would you just like to come forward now? If you know for some reason this is a day to let someone pray with you, just come to the front now, please. That's great. Just come to the front. You just have a sense. Your heart is being moved already. You're weeping for others. Maybe you've had a sense of, I'm not sure how God could ever use me. But God wanting to say, I can, I can, if you'll make yourself available to me. And please, we just if you're staying where you are, just keep praying deeply. Praying deeply for yourself. We still have more time before anyone needs to leave. Praying for yourself and wherever you're going to be this week. If you're here with a friend and you know it would be good to pray with them just beside you, you can do that. Of course. Holy Spirit, keep moving, please, across across this building. Holy Spirit, would you keep touching people? More are coming. Please come if you have a sense of, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you in a new way. You can come down from upstairs as well, of course. And church family, we've got a few people still waiting to be prayed for. Maybe you're just here today and you just, you really struggle with the idea that God even notices you, even sees you. He does, he does. If you've come, as I say, with someone today, why not just, if they haven't come forward, just ask them, how can I pray for you? Where will you be this time tomorrow? How can I pray for you? Parents, don't worry, I'll give you a time when it's time to go and collect children. So we've still got some time here together. Why don't you turn to the person beside you and just say, can I just pray for you wherever you'll be tomorrow? 
to be available to God, used by Him. I know this is a a sharper word, a harder word, but I wonder if there's a few people here today, a bit like me sometimes, who've been wanting everybody else to change, when actually the truth is it's us. We want our life group to change. We want our church trinity to to be different. And the prayer needs to start with us. Start with me, Lord. I'm sorry that I've thought it's somebody else's job to make it happen. Start with me. Start with me. We've got two men waiting for somebody to pray with them, one on my left and one to my right. anyone waiting for prayer just please if you could just signal to me that would be great as we carry on in prayer here tea and coffee served over the roads children to be gathered may we go from this place with the blessing of God Almighty Father Son and Holy Spirit to act justly to love mercy and walk humbly with our God. Amen. Stay here if you want to in prayer or refreshments served over the road.